Welcome to Big Foamy Head. The Wirebacher Beer Show. Pumpkin Ale style. Pumpkin. We're doing it pumpkin style. I know we're a little late from the Halloween holiday, but, you yeah. know, pumpkins kind of go with... Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. And the pumpkin pie goes around Christmas. It does, doesn't yeah, it? Does sure it? Does. Yeah. I don't know. I a lot like of people pumpkin have pie. pumpkin pie at Christmas. I tell you what, this is the, the baseline for pumpkinosity that I have right now. Uh-huh. Sonic pumpkin pie shake. I've never had one. Oh, my God. That was my Facebook status. It was that uh-huh. damn good. <laughs> it was Facebook status worthy. <laughs> well, this beer is Facebook status it worthy. It is. I think this has yeah. actually surpassed the Sonic Shake. It's uh, it's really good. And uh, we got Chris Wilson, the head brewer of Wirebacher. Who's, uh, we've got some bits from an interview with him, and he's going to tell us all about the brewery and every each and every one of the beers we're drinking. And, Rick, you have... A, a an older model wire barker. You're thinking yours is about a year old. Yeah, at least a year old. I bought it for a show a while ago, and um, you know I'll try and find uh, some kind of dating on the bottle. But uh, I know it's been in my beer fridge for at least a year. Uh, it's kind of pretty cool bottle. It's good. It says uh, spices are cinnamon, nutmeg, and cardamom. Mm. Yeah, and cloves. It's it's very tasty. And we and you can definitely taste all. Of those spices. Tastes like a pie. It does. It's very good. Yeah. It's not... Uh, you said pie. It's not pie. over the top. It's uh, got a good flavor, good spice, and uh, delicious. Everything all the bloggers were saying about it. You know what I'd like to see out of this beer a little bit more is a little more uh, effervescent or a little more carbonation maybe in it. I know uh, it seems like it's got a lot, but when you taste it... You really don't taste that. It's okay, you're taste, doing the taste. It tastes kind of flat, you know? Yeah, and you know, holding it up to the light, it doesn't have a whole lot of carbonation. Now, of course, that might be brewery, storage, what have you, right? Yeah. I'd like to see a little more. I know it's got some, but yeah, I'd like mm-hmm. to see a little more. But it's got real good body. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's real got the malty character, and the, the clove is real mm-hmm. present. I like that. They use mace in this. Wow. So uh, that's an old old school spice. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very good. <laughs> I thought it was the uh, stuff you spray on rapists. I know. It no, is, it's it? not rape mace. It's pie. Ma- wait, pie rape, mace. rape mace, mace just, pie mace. It's probably mace just in a little lesser concentration. You think? I thought mace in a rape mace why, was just pepper spray. Why wouldn't mace be mace? I don't know, because I thought it was like mace, you know, the spike ball smacked in your face. Well, you know what they use in the uh, the big squirt guns that the police use on the guys? I thought it's, it's pepper spray. Is, and you know what that is, don't you? Uh, capsicum. Yeah, it's all your hot, hot peppers right. that we eat. But that's not mace. It's the same it? thing as mace. Okay, we're going to find out what mace is, and in the meantime... That'll be a let... homework assignment for the Big Foamy yeah. Head listeners. Yeah, that and pop quizzes. Those go over really Email good. your answers to uh, <laughs> br safaricom <laughs> And we'll, we'll wait with bated breath for yes, all those uh, that's right. Okay. to come through. Ready on three, and wait. Okay. We'll wait with pumpkin <laughs> breath. That's right. We'll wait with mace breath. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's let Chris Wilson tell us a little bit about Weyerbacher Brewery. I'm the head brewer. I've been head brewer for um, some years, more than four. 
somewhere in there. I've been with the brewery about seven seven years now. So the brewery's been around since 1995, so we'll be releasing our uh, 16th anniversary beer uh, uh, in 2011. So uh, that's exciting for us. So we, the 15 year milestone was a was a big one for us. As far as uh, you know, otherwise we're probably going to be somewhere around 7,000 uh, barrels this year. Um, and probably will grow to at least eight, eight and a half next year. So it's actually a big, big time of growth for us. Uh, and part of that growth has been driven by, particularly one of the beers that you're going to try to is uh, Imperial Pumpkin Ale. It's a phenomenal seller for us and is by far the biggest uh, seasonal we make. And the other two beers that you're uh, going to try are kind of emblematic of what we what we do at Wirebarker, which is uh, you know, bold flavored uh, you know, beers. We uh, we try to say we're big on flavor. A lot of times that happens to make uh, you know make it big on uh, on uh, ABV as well. But that's not the uh, primary goal. We're looking to do quality beers that are full flavored and are uh, you know really interesting for uh, uh, the consumer. And uh, that's really what's driving our business. Did you take that approach because that's what you felt was the right thing to do? because you had people asking you to do it? What was motivating you to do that rather than come up with a generic, you know, mass market lager? Um, well, when Dan, uh, we were back started the company back in 1995, uh, he actually started doing primarily, um, you know, English style ales, you know, uh, LL, Porter. That led to doing hops and fusion which was is our IPA, uh, which at the time was you know crazy bitter and you know really over the top for uh, for our market. Now it would probably be considered a strong pale ale. You know, it's not the, the bitterness level has been surpassed you know three times over. But you know that was a stepping stone uh, to do uh, Blithering Idiot, which was the first um, you know big beer uh, the brewery did. The public kind of told them that they were going the right direction with that. It wasn't a decision, hey, let's make this beer. I bet people are going to buy it. It was, hey, this sounds pretty interesting. You know, let's let's make it. People liked it. And, you know, that started a uh, – that was probably the pebble that, you know, started the, the avalanche. Very good. That's, that's kind of led us down this path of um, that people like flavor, people like variety, Mm-hmm. And that makes it a lot more fun for us too. You know, that's what that makes it fun for our jobs. <laughs> you know, if even if you make you know good beer, if you make it the same every day, it's gonna you know it'll get on you. <laughs> right. The new beers make it interesting, and fun for us. You know, we get to try out new flavors and you know new grains, new malts, new mm-hmm. uh, new hops, and so on. Have you gotten into uh, any cask aging or experimenting with different woods? Um, we've been doing. Um, aging our barley wine and our uh, uh, imperial stout in bourbon barrels for years now. Those are heresy and insanity. Uh, well, Old Heathen, our imperial stout, becomes a heresy and blithering idiot, which you're finding today, um, that um, becomes insanity. And those are uh, February seasonal, are our February seasonals, and they're really successful. I think it's just, you know, incredible what kind of flavor you can get out of using um, a bourbon barrel. Those are both bourbon barrel age. 
like how the bourbon same barrel will affect an imperial stout versus a, a barlow is just incredible and uh we're also going to do quad we've we released it before uh it was called uh, blasphemy it will still be called blasphemy actually but we uh kind of put it on a hiatus for a while uh, and we're excited to bring it back in a uh 750 cork and cage uh version this year it'll be coming out in may uh and that's also bourbon barrel uh we've also um done some sours we did reserva which is using spent american oak uh bourbon barrels uh we use them for insanity then we'll use them again for the sour we add uh raspberries to that uh so that's an american wild ale uh mm. it varies in it and uh, uh alcohol percentage but somewhere around 11 or so and uh very tart and uh, we also have another series of wine barrel beers going uh, at the moment. Uh, we have some American oak, some Hungarian oak, and some French oak as well. Um, so hopefully those uh, projects will be coming out in 2011 as well. Very nice. Okay. So that's uh, some pretty pretty in-depth uh, beers that they're doing at Weyerbacher. And I asked that question about the woods and the oaks because not necessarily, you know, not everybody does that. And to me, that's kind of the mark of when the brewer is, I don't know if you'd call it like a, it's next step up, but when they've gotten big enough in the evolution where they can start doing these kind of skunk works projects or let's put some in a barrel and age it and things like that, you know? It's kind of like the redneck creed. Hey, y'all, watch this. Yeah, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it turns out pretty good. Yeah, you know? yeah. And sometimes or, it's an emergency room or, visit. Or sometimes like it's like your friend with the red beans and rice beer. He's yeah. Gonna, oh, yeah, that'll work. That'll work really well. <laughs> I'm kind of curious is how that turns out i'm not not at all <laughs> i believe in putting beer in red beans and rice right okay here, see that's and like drinking while you're eating that's like one of the articles that we looked at that was on the big foamy head feed earlier the twitter feed mm-hmm. and the facebook uh page was about venison that venison casserole mm-hmm. that used brown ale okay you're adding beer to the meat I think the other way around, if you wanted to make some deer beer, that probably wouldn't be so hot. No. You know? So, uh... I leave Bambi out of the beer. That's right. Deer beer. Elk ale. <laughs> you figure beer's been around at least 5,000 years, right? I mean, that's the latest uh, estimate. I'm sure somebody's tried to ferment meat before, and they've tried to ferment red beans and rice before, and, uh... Yeah. Well, let's say they've pretty much settled on uh, barley and malt. Yeah. And you know what? It... If it would have worked, we'd probably be drinking it today. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I think it didn't. But, you know, we got a little of this Imperial Pumpkin Ale left. We can drink that. Yes, we can. This was a success. And do you think there's pumpkins in there? Yeah. Pumpkin (laughs) puree. Fruit goes well with beer. Amen, brother. And pumpkin, that's fruit. Big fruit. Very big fruit. Okay, so we know pumpkin, cherries, uh, well, we, is pumpkin a fruit or is it actually a squash? I don't know. What is it? <laughs> it's a meaty fruit. God, you just ruined it for me. That's all <laughs> going down this whole fruit. Okay, so I know they have like fruit and vegetable beers, right? So it has to have something with carbs and uh, to 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 digest, right? So pumpkin, let's pretend it's a fruit. 
pumpkin is the fruit of the species Cucurbita? Yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> C-U-C-U-R-B-I-T-A. Okay. It's what said. you said. Pumpkin is the fruit. Well, actually, it species. says a pumpkin is a gourd-like squash. Wiki says that. You know, Wiki's always right. This okay. is Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. Pumpkin. Okay. Well, it's it's one or the other, but I was as I was going down this path, I was <laughs> saying, okay, what fruit beers are we aware of? We've had cherry, raspberry, raspberry pumpkin. Those are all pretty much top beers. Peach. We've had peach. peach with IPA. Mm, yeah. Pear. Pear. Apricot. Uh, apricot. Oh, yeah. Apricot really goes good with IPAs. The Magic Hat. Uh, we had the uh, the strawberries and blueberries and some of the wheat beers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the this is us thinking what's some fruits we haven't had that we might stick in a beer? Red beans and rice. Red beans and rice, yeah. <laughs> it is beans, the magical fruit, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. The more you eat. Now, did you by any chance happen to listen to the new? Big Foamy Head production, or like Spike Lee says, Big Foamy Head joint, <laughs> short ones. Allagash came out. Uh, they partnered with somebody whose name escapes me right now. But it was uh, On Dive. Is it On Dive or On Dave? E-N-D-I-V-E. On Dive, isn't it? Isn't it? The that's salad. Why I, that's why. The lettuce. And uh, something else. And they braised them, and then they made a beer out of them. It's like, oh, crap. That's salad beer. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were pushing the boundaries. <laughs> but all right, how about kiwis? Kiwi fruit. I've had a beer with kiwi in it. Yeah? Okay. So we need to find some of these, go to the Asian market and get some of those crazy ass uh beers or beers. Fruits. You know, the star fruits and the mm-hmm. weird deals. Pomegranate. There has been a pomegranate beer. Yeah. Had that. Actually the Hebrew one. Has um, uh, from from Genesis is it Genesis Brewing is really good or Schmaltz not Genesis Genesis was that Genesis is their ale I think but um, yeah all kinds of stuff so the pumpkin beer this Imperial pumpkin this is one of Weyerbacher's um, uh, believe it or not one of their best selling beers but in a ridiculously short period of time so chris tells us a little bit more about this beer we're drinking i've been looking around on the blogs you've got nothing but but just rave reviews everybody loves this beer it seems that way (laughs) i don't know it's um like i said earlier it's by far our biggest selling seasonal uh and is up there for one of our best selling beers overall even though it's a seasonal that uh, you know, by technicality, sells two months a, a year. Wow, that's just just two months. <laughs> well, uh, it's in the past. Uh, say before this year, it was uh, August and September, um, where we kind of said, you know, it's going to be available in these times. Um, but uh, we had we installed a new cooler, so all of our beers, um, all our finished product is cold stored here. And that created some space issues <laughs> in, in the uh, in the warehouse. So when uh, we started brewing pumpkin ale really early, we had all this inventory building up. So we just started asking our distributors if they would take it earlier. So that kind of went into July. And 
yes, we sold a tremendous amount of pumpkin ale in July. Wow. And, you know, it's 90 degrees outside and pumpkin ale's flying, <laughs> flying out <Yeah>. the door. <laughs> and we got, a, we got a few questions on, uh, you know, some you know, beer advocate and some of the other sites saying, you know, pumpkin ale in July, yeah, I think it's a little early. Like, well, yeah, we do. <laughs> I don't know that there's much we could do about it, though. That's so you, you know, can get it stores, locally aged. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Well, you know, it's a... Uh, it's definitely a, a beer that I think is uh, best fresh, but uh, even at that point, the beer was probably only up, you know, a month or so, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a month or so uh, in the bottle. So it's not; uh, it still should be uh, as fresh as can be. At least I hope it is. Yeah. Well, so we've got some more Weyerbachers coming up. This pumpkin ale is great, and uh, we popped the top on a blithering idiot. Which uh, is weighing in at 11.1% alcohol. And this is a beer that most of us can enjoy unless you happen to live in Mississippi. Ain't that a shame. And so we've got Butch Bailey from from Raise Your Pints uh, to tell us about the uh, conditions and what he single-handedly is doing to (laughs) right this injustice against humanity. (laughs) How you doing, Butch? I'm doing great. Yeah, I have to correct you right off the bat, though. Single-handedly is a gross mischaracterization. We, uh, we're a true grassroots organization, Raise Your Pint. We have uh, volunteers all over the state and some amazingly dedicated people that are working on this. Um, our officers are all volunteer. None of us get compensated in any way. And it's, it's really ridiculous the amount of work that these guys put into this. From just face to face talking to beer industry people, to politicians, to setting up fundraising events, uh, all the things that go into these grassroots organizations, and we've got some great people working on raise your pints. So, where do you see it? I mean, it's obviously it's it's a law. Uh, where do you see the conflict, and why why is there an issue with raising the law uh, somewhat? Well, you know, just just in case there are people listening that, that aren't aware of exactly what we have in Mississippi, it's, it's a Prohibition-era law that limits the alcohol content of beer to 5% by weight, uh, somewhere around 6.2 by volume in that neighborhood. Um, you know, to be honest, this was when they rolled Prohibition back, they did it piecemeal, a little bit at a time. This was kind of a compromise to even get beer into the state, and for a long time, we were, like a lot of states, that uh, three point something, and we were a brew down state. And when they came out with the ice beers, you remember when those were big back in the day, uh, a lot of the industry pushed to raise us up so they could sell the ice beers in Mississippi. And um, they got that. They were successful with that. And now it's just a matter of the industry is fairly complacent. They're kind of happy with the way things are. They, uh, they don't want the additional competition maybe. And the bottom line is most Mississippians, even Mississippians that drink beer, don't even know we have this restriction. That you know, if you grew up here, then all you've ever had is pale yellow and fizzy. And they're just not aware that beer can be you know, things like the Blithering Idiot or the Simcoe IPA. If you um, want, they don't know what they're missing. If you want something a little stronger, you, you go to the liquor store and buy some Boone's Farm, I guess, huh? <laughs> and that's perfectly legal here. Yeah. 
uh, Boone's Farm, you know, MD 2020 uh, spirits. I mean, we can get Everclear in the liquor store. But, so uh, so, so it's... Is there is any of this having to do with taxes? Because in Tennessee, that's where we tax the hell out of beer, and if it's over six percent, we tax it as liquor. On top of that, not necessarily, not as straightforward, and that's one of the compromises we actually looked at when we first started trying to figure out how we could do this. Maybe doing a Tennessee model where low gravity beers would be sold like beers are now, and high gravity beers would be treated as spirits. Um, that was really a non-starter with the beer industry here. Uh, got less than no traction. So, you know, for us, our, our objective is there's, a, there's a, a line in the Mississippi Code that basically says for a beer to be legal, it's got to be below 5% by weight. We're going to try to get that law changed. It basically just changes that definition. So for a beer to be legal, it has to be below, pick a new, better, bigger number. Mm-hmm. Have you got a number in mind? Well, frankly, for, for for me personally, the yeast should decide the alcohol content in beer. Um, I don't know why there needs to be a limit, I and mean, there's no limit on spirits. Uh, but you know that that's part of this political game. There's wine industry people we have to work with. There's liquor store industry people and uh, beer distributors who are a little hesitant to maybe jump all the way off. So. Um, you know, I don't know where the final number will be. It'll be better than 5%, though. Well, you know, if you set it at 14, you won't be able to get the tactical nuclear penguin. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, yeah, it seems like if... Uh, or the sprout. Yeah. <laughs> if you set it at a certain uh, number, I can see the wine and liquor people worrying about it cannibalizing sales from themselves if they are also the distributor. I mean, it's like, you know, well, okay, they're going to go buy these beers instead of going to buy a bottle of wine, right? But, it, you know, all things considered, we know. they're still making money. If they're the ones selling it. Yeah. If they're not, then that's different. But it's it's one of the, and if it's a lower price, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of arguments for and against. None of them really have any merit uh, if you look at them all together, right? right. But uh, so, so from where you sit, Butch, with the, um, the efforts you've been making, what do you think? Are you, are are people becoming a little more open minded and aware? We know that you know in the United States, people are demanding more and better quality, and so craft beer is enjoying yet another resurgence. The numbers show it. Is Mississippi and at least the lawmakers going to get on board? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we really we see this. There's three groups that we're working with. Number one is obviously the public beer drinkers who are the politicians themselves who will be making this decision. And then three is the beer industry, from brewers to distributors to retailers and you name it. <clears throat> we made progress in all those areas, especially the, the individuals, the beer drinking public. It's, it's really night and day. If you paid attention to beer and craft beer in Mississippi five years ago and you see what it's like today, it's, nobody could have predicted this. You know, we have Lazy Magnolia that's produced here in the state now. We have Yazoo that's being distributed in the state. Um, we have fantastic beer culture that's growing. Now, it's nowhere near where we need it to be, but we're making big progress there. That's actually a big part of what Raise Your Pints is about. It's about improving that beer culture. Because, you know, look, we can get this law changed tomorrow, 
if the public's not going to buy these new products, we did zero good because yeah. nobody's going to sell them. Yep. So that's part of it. Um, the but, industry is coming around. Um, that was one of our um, obstacles early on in this fight, but we've definitely sensed a change in there. We think we can get them completely on board. And then the last thing, of course, is the politicians. Um, and that's, frankly, the ugly part of this whole business, but it's the necessary part. We live in a democracy, so um, you we're got, seeing progress. You got Bud, you got Bud and, and all your big boys that are spending a lot of money on these uh, lawmakers, and uh, they're kind of setting their ways. Hmm. But it, but it's proven over and over again that you have people driving out of the state of Mississippi to Alabama, Tennessee, Louisiana, Arkansas, and buying the high-gravity beers. Hmm. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I, mean, I, I, mean, I could off the top of my head, I could probably name, you know, a dozen people mm-hmm. that regularly drive out of state to purchase these products. Um, you know, and, and our argument has been and will continue to be uh, an economic argument. Everybody knows what state budgets are like, and they're like this all over the country. The economy's terrible. And Mississippi's budget's no exception. By allowing these high-end gourmet products, which just by their nature cost more, it's a way that our legislature can raise revenue without raising taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a win-win situation if ever there was one. And you know, we're not doing anything radical. We're not trying to do anything new. Um, we're the only state with this low of a limit. We're just trying to get to where everyone else is and uh, improve our state in the process. Well, Butch, what do you what what can we do on our end to uh, uh, let the people know out there what maybe they can do? Is there anybody they can write or or email or you know what can they do to help your cause? Well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on. This this is wonderful. Um, like I said, we're a true grassroots organization, and we need this type of publicity. Uh, we need beer geeks out there to support us. Uh, really, two things as individuals that we really need. Number one is, frankly, money. Um, we hire a lobbyist every year for the legislative session, um, and they're very expensive. But you really don't get anything done in politics these days without a lobbyist. And like I said, we're completely nonprofit. All of our money, everything we raise, completely goes towards our um, legislative priorities, our legislative goals. And then, two, like you mentioned, calling people, um, not just politicians. Call people you know in Mississippi that care about this issue. If, if you know people that enjoy good beer or people that enjoy good wine, that are familiar with these you know, gourmet products that appreciate these kind of things, um, this is, frankly, an injustice. And uh, they should be interested in our cause. So spread the word. Let people know about it. Send them to our website, raiseyourpints.com. They can join up a... A year membership with Raise Your Pints costs $25, and you get a complimentary T-shirt. Nice. So, yeah, that's the cost of a magazine subscription, and you uh, you can help a good good cause and advance craft beer in a place that really needs it. Well, when you look at uh, only two, what, two states left? Is it Mississippi and Utah, or Mississippi and is it just, I know what? Alabama just changed their laws. Is it, is it just the state of Mississippi that doesn't allow gourmet beer? Well, Mississippi's got the lowest cap. There's some other states that have cap. And a lot of states are confusing. They, they'll have a, a 3.2% cap on beer in grocery stores but allow higher-gravity beer in liquor stores or draft bars and things like that. But as far as across the board, beer is kept at this level, nothing higher. 
we're the lowest state in the union with 5%. Alabama was here. They were six by volume, so it's about what we were. Um, they bumped up to 13.9% by volume now, so they're, they're yeah, doing that, pretty that good. that was and just last year, right? Yeah. Year before last. Oh, year and before, okay. It, it is amazing. It, the, you can go in, you know, Mobile, Birmingham, Huntsville today, and wonderful beers, great beers. Um, and they're growlers, selling. They're, oh, they're selling like crazy. Yeah, and, and um, breweries is, opening, too. For us. It's it's not only bringing better beers; it's also bringing actual jobs. I know there were two breweries just recently opened in Huntsville. Cool. So uh, yeah, it's it does. There, you know, you, you can keep coming up with lots of good reasons why. So it seems like something's just awareness, and like you said, just you know, the you lawmakers. Gotta, Get get in front of the lawmakers, anybody and everybody who'll listen. So we'll keep checking back with you, Butch, and and uh, hopefully we'll we'll watch this law change before the next year's out. Thank you. Well, we're gonna work hard at it. All Thanks right. for the the time on your show. Thanks. Thanks, Butch. Thank you, sir. So uh, that was really good to hear from Butch and about the high uh, alcohol issue such as it is in Mississippi. I think I, I stuttered a little, and I said earlier, I said about raising the law. Er, <laughs> you'd think I w- I'd already been drinking on this current beer that we were sampling and uh, sneaking, quietly sneaking drinks of while we were talking to Butch, the Weyerbacher Blithering Idiot, 11.1% alcohol by volume. Which you cannot get in Mississippi. No, you can't. So, so help them know, out. Hook do you know that ninety percent of the beers available are not available in Mississippi? Yes, I know 90, that now. Ninety percent. Yep. That is a that's a shame. It's a travesty. I mean, how many do you think? We yeah, have? but uh, that's not ninety percent of the market share. I mean, right. uh, obviously, the beers that are ninety percent of the market share are widely available there, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. What if you're mean? looking at market share, Bud Miller, no, Coors. just 90% of the beers that are made, only you're, 10% you're talking about by brand, by brand. Yeah, yeah. By brand and, and by alcohol by volume. So you're talking about diversity, but as far as the total beer consumption, yeah. Uh, I was talking market share. Right, which, so is, which in and of itself is a crime. Yeah, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got uh, we are, are enjoying our Weyerbacher Blithering Idiot, which is a barley wine, and therefore adheres to our code, all barley wine, all the time. All the time, baby. So, <laughs> this is a damn tasty beverage. It had it a little alcohol bite right at the beginning. Yeah, but it kind of burns your tongue and taste buds, and, and then you don't recognize it That's right, and it's gone. Yeah. And so now we're just enjoying really... Um, once you got over that alcohol hurdle, it's a nice drinking beer. It's, it's very tasty, and it's not good looking color. Good looking color. It's not. It's, it's kind of like scotch. I mean, it it's reminds a, me of scotch. The the color, the texture, uh, the the mouthfeel of it is not thick. Mm-hmm. It's not syrupy, but it is. It's definitely got some body. Got a good nose on mm-hmm. it. Still a little little bit of uh of alcohol and like you said next to no head it's got a real peppery alcohol taste to it mm-hmm. and i like that uh yeah very good and then it's it you got the malt you got you just mm-hmm. got a lot going on it's a great beer very good and rick you are are enjoying an abita christmas beer right yeah it's uh one i picked up for um a meeting i had the other night and uh the beta ale christmas ale and uh they've got a lot of marketing splooge on the back but uh the nice thing about it is uh, every year the recipe changes. 
So it's a kind of a nice amber, uh, kind of a clear, uh, tasty. It's not spiced, but it's a. You could tell it's kind of a special winter beer. Mm-hmm. So no spice, but it's got. It's like, is it in the winter warmer kind of tradition? Are you getting warm? I would put it there. It's uh, not quite strong enough to be a warmer, but it's got yeah. some really great uh, uh, malt and roast character to it. Yeah, and and yeah. I so was told uh, there's a little bit of elf whisker in every bottle of Abita Christmas beers. This is this true? I think a little coming, bit of what? Elf I think, whiskers. I think, I think coming from Louisiana, it's a catfish whisker. Is that what it is? Catfish owls. Aren't they the same thing? Same thing. Isn't it like on Christmas Eve, all the catfish in Louisiana magically turn into elves? <laughs> you heard it here first. And, and catfish Santa, are actually elves. And help Santa deliver the presents around the world. That's right. That's right. Okay, I think uh, your blithering idiot is uh, kind of taking effect. Uh, What'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> the blithering idiot has engaged. <laughs> it does make you a little, a little blithering. Yes, it does. That's I, fun to uh, say. It is fun to say, and and I love that what they uh, that was kind of cool. You know, when he was talking, Chris was talking earlier about um, they take these beers, they oak them and age them a little bit, and they call them something else because it does change the flavor profile. So this one was blasphemy, and this, and I was thinking like, oh, that's like you know. Mexican cooking, the dried pepper is called this, and the fresh one is called that. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, very good stuff. Man, loving this uh, blithering idiot. We got the quad on deck. It's and, on deck, uh, man. It's swinging a big bat. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's another 11 percenter. So, uh, Weyerbacher, and it's like Butch was saying about uh, when we uh, got offline, he was talking and raving about the Simcoe. Mm-hmm. The uh, double Simcoe that yeah. we had a bad bottle. We had to have had a bad bottle. Mm-hmm. Heard nothing but good things about it. So we're going to have to revisit that uh, again. And I did mention that to Chris because they are very concerned about keeping their beers in the freshest Fresh. state possible. So that's why he was talking about, you know, the pumpkin ale was displaced or had to ship earlier because it got a bigger, you know, refrigerating unit. So let me let Chris tell us a little bit more about Blithering Idiot. Yeah, and it's uh, fun with the name, you know, but uh, it'll, it'll turn you into one is, uh, I think, what the running joke is. <laughs> but, yeah, it's 11.1 uh, APV. It's an English-style barley wine, so don't expect it to be uh, super bitter. Uh, it's definitely more uh, of a malt-driven beer. Uh, I do think it is, uh, you know, as we tweak, make minor tweaks on the beers over the years, which we haven't done anything to this beer in a long time. I don't want to give your listeners the wrong idea, but um, you know, we, we've tried to make that beer as balanced as possible. Uh, so not overly bitter, enough bitterness there to balance out the, balance out the malt. So it's not cloningly sweet or anything like that. So I think he hit it dead on. The, the balance of... Malts and hops in Blithering Idiot is definitely a, a, a an, an art, a balancing act, and we really enjoyed this. Now, Rick, on the winter warmer, and this is the thing that I know, uh, Mike and I both noticed we were getting a little warm. Yeah, I rolled yeah. my sleeves up, unbuttoned my shirt one button, and... Remo- removed his trousers. Yeah. He's really getting comfortable see, in here. I've got a shirt on, and... So I work outside, so I wear long-handle underwear most of the day, especially when it gets in the 30s and 40s. So 
I still got that on, so you're a little warm. Well, thank you for you know, we're sharing the. And this we're, has been lingerie yeah. news with Mike and, Bond, and and you know we're in a basement and it's a little chilly in here. And, yeah, you know, so. it's not that bad. But the uh, you got to understand, we drank what eight percent Imperial Pumpkin Ale, eight percent. Right. Then we drank what eleven point one percent. Right. Now we're getting ready to drink an eleven point eight. That's right. Thank God, I only got to drive a football <laughs> field home. You know. So, what is your uh, ABV on on the Abita beer? Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, well, you can buy it in the liquor store here, so it's got to be under six percent. In the it's liquor pretty stores, low. I mean, a grocery store here. I'm sorry. Oh, you can. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. So that's why I asked if you were feeling a little warm in there. Well, these are definitely warm us up. And we've gotten on to our last Weyerbacher beer, Quad, all caps, Q-U-A-D. And um, Quad is a Belgian quadruple. And Chris will tell us in a, in a minute, it's, uh, it's uh, based off of uh, uh, another one of their beers, a, a Belgian triple. But this is a good-looking uh, color. And what are you getting in the smell and taste? Well, just with the first sip. I'm getting a lot of the uh, a lot of the peppery alcohol. Okay. Um, I'm not getting much nose. Okay. On this, no, not well, no, a little bit. Actually, I smell something. This is why I wondered if I was influenced because he told me this, and it's like, yep, my God, I smell it and I uh-huh. taste it. I give you a hint. It's a fruit. Maybe a little raisin. Or- you got it. Yeah. Okay. Because what yeah. he told me, see, this is where, to me, the brewer's art comes in. Uh-huh. He said, and you'll hear him talk about it in a second here, about the um, a little bit of special bee, that, uh, the malt that he mm-hmm. used to give that raisin kind of uh, malt huh. to it. So it's very good. And it's there. And it's like, you know, used with a light hand. So you got a little bit of this. It's really uh-huh. good. I mean, this wait, is wait. a... Special special bee is not a uh, a fruit. It's a malt. No, no, I know, I know. I'm saying the raisin notes was oh, okay. the fruit. That's, that's what I meant, right? That's interesting. Yeah, uh, versus special K, which is <laughs> yeah, neither malt nor fruit. So you can pinch an inch. That's right. <laughs> drink your special K. The special K challenge when you take special K and you pour some uh, quad into it. Ooh, that's got to be good. Yeah, but you ain't going to lose any weight. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bit. Chop you up some strawberries and raisins. Strawberries, and... Special K, and instead of milk, use uh, Weyerbacher Quad. Mm. What what possessed y'all to uh, uh, go with the Weyerbacher beers? Um, I'd, I'd had Weyerbachers a while back, and I know we've had them on shows. It's been a while, and uh, I came across a nice selection of them, and I, I didn't get all of them. You know they had a they've got a bunch of really nice mm-hmm. beers, but it's like uh, you know Chris was saying they're they're uh, what do you say five, seven thousand gallons or seven thousand barrels, so they're not huge. You know he's talking about Dogfish Head in comparison, but um, they're you know they're they're to me they've kind of gone into that that sweet spot between mass production and being able to be crafty and artsy and mm-hmm. brew some really nice things and i just wanted to you know Revisit. enjoy that and see how how they were doing and and cool. uh yeah very good and and then if you heard what he said it's like oh my god we're just barely scraping the surface they got all kinds of stuff going on here and we need to really uh, you know that's the 
beauty of craft beer. So before I get on my craft beer soapbox again, yeah. <laughs> good stuff, man. Well, where can people find out about craft beer? Oh, everywhere. That's the cool part. Uh, where is it a jungle out there? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That was my cue. I missed my cue. Oh, you shit. Did. Take two. A How beer? about Beer Safari? How about com? Beer Safari? You know, I heard it's a jungle of beer out there. <laughs> Lions and tigers and beers. As Mike spits quad out of his nose. Really? How's that quad smell yeah, coming good. out? It's good. <laughs> He's doing a line of quad. Um, yeah. No, I was, I was really, I've been looking at so many blogs and, and things, and uh, it's just, it's going through the roof. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about it, Rick, when we started doing this five and a half years ago, we were kind of cutting edge. It wasn't like we were, you know, the crap thing was new by any means, but it, I don't think it was as broad and mainstream. It certainly didn't have a television show. No. So. Yeah. Well, podcasting was new. You podcasting know? was brand new. Yeah, we were, we were definitely cutting edge, and and uh, so it's really interesting watching this evolve. And you know, like wait, with Butch and and uh, Mississippi being last to the dance. I know. Look, you know. look at where they are, and you can almost say that's kind of where we were five years ago. Well, Mississippi Beginning has a history, and growing and trying but, to, but they have a history of being last right. to adopt any kind of change. Right. You know, I mean, that's just the way they roll. So, well, I think a lot of it has to do with just their sheer population numbers. I mean, where, if you were going to uh, bring a new product to market, where would you go? Would you go to Mississippi or LA? Or LA? Yeah, exactly right. I mean, that's a large part right. of it, and it's going to take the grassroots efforts of a Butch Bailey, a Craig Hendry, which mm-hmm. that's his sidekick that helps him a lot. But uh, I'm excited. I mean, I used to travel the state of Mississippi in a job, and, and I hated to, to go out and eat at a restaurant because you couldn't get a good beer. Yeah. You well, could get a decent beer, but you mm-hmm. couldn't get a good beer. Well, and that's, you know, that's that's the state. We'll keep tabs on them, and hopefully we'll uh, be singing a different tune a year or so from now. So, Weyerbacher, Quad, what's your take on this is definitely the belgian style they they got that yeah you get, you're getting the spice yeah you get the spice notes and and the belgian spice good the stuff. only thing i'm wondering is did we uh damage ourselves with the uh the blithering oh, i'm idiot? damaged all right i'm telling you <laughs> I mean, if our tasting Man. notes are uh off a little bit but it's really good Woo. i mean i'm i'm i can tell the difference between the two i'm i'm really enjoying it. it's definitely warming me up do they make anything under uh eight <laughs> percent it's a good question. No, they did. They yeah. did. I, I, I want to tell you the Simcoe was below that. But, you know, I'm honestly, I'm not sure because that was what Chris was saying. They love making big beers. Yeah. But, like you said, it's not so much about the alcohol as it is the flavor. And and I think of of the three beers that we've had tonight, they are all big in flavor. Mm-hmm. right? And so, Rick, your, your pumpkin ale came out pre- pretty good. Yeah, that was nice. Um, it was Still maintained a lot of the uh, spice character and uh, didn't show too many signs of oxidation for being a year old, so yeah. it aged fairly well. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was a good beer. I All enjoyed right. it. All right. So you've been kind of getting your Christmas and holiday on. You've had a pumpkin beer and a Christmas ale. Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting all set Sweet. for the uh, the holidays. Uh uh, so we are counting down. You know what we haven't done? We haven't done any kind of Christmas beer or, or Halloween. Hell, we didn't even do a Thanksgiving thing. We pretty much ignored the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
things are uh, coming around. It'll be a real interesting uh, year next year, I think. With uh, this will be the year that we enter. If I'm not mistaken, tell me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. That we are entering this next year where the largest American brewery is uh, is uh, Boston Brewing, right? Wasn't it last year that uh, InBev bought right. uh, Budweiser, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So next year, 2011, is the first year of craft beer dominance of American brewers. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I'm putting <laughs> okay. that out there. Okay. Now, here, I'm putting here that it out is. There. Did you see the paper this morning? Uh, no. I, was it Yingling. on? If it ain't I on the internet, I, I don't Yingling, I don't see it. Yingling is getting ready to buy the Coors. Of the I know, I know they've been working at. I know they've been working that. But here's uh, look here. Reaching to that refrigerator behind you, one of the beers that we've got, and we're gonna uh, we'll save it for the next show, is a Sam Adams Imperial Stout. So mm-hmm. it's not just gonna be about you know the masses, mm-hmm. right? So it'll be real interesting seeing what comes up. Who knows? We might sneak one more show. But out. I'm wondering if Yingling buys that brewery, will it be the largest? Do you think? No, they'll just be cranking out more. Sam Adams shit. isn't that big. They're pretty big. They're bigger than England. I don't know. Look it up. I mean, that brewery over there is huge. Pop quiz, Rick. Which is bigger? <laughs> he hates pop Excuse quizzes. me while I whip this up. Yeah, and yeah I think, I'm going to go with Sam Adams. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Sam Adams is uh, considerably larger. But they're Yang- still minuscule compared to the uh, macro beers. This but, is, uh, that's true. And like you were saying earlier, the 90% of the market. But I think things are going to change. So we'll keep a little pulse on it. Okay. And we'll try and do a little better job of getting uh, tighter with the breweries and uh, see what all comes up. So uh, I've got something. You noticed... I guess uh, I know everyone's been paying close attention, taking notes, of course. Um, we haven't played any music this show. Well, yeah, I was just thinking that myself, actually. It's because we've had so much stuff. We had some good input from uh, Chris and from from uh, Butch. Butch. And uh, I'm going to let Chris tell us uh, about Quad, just some closing notes on uh, Quad and what we just drank. And uh, then I've got something special for you. Quad is 11.8, so it's 11.8% ABV, I should say. And so that's definitely going to be up there in the alcohol uh, content. Hard to say uh, what uh, if you have a bottle that's uh, uh, fresh or if it's uh, from uh, last year. Because uh, that does happen a lot where we'll make quad, you know, will last on the shelves. So a lot of, a lot of bar, or sorry, store owners will know this and buy enough to uh, make sure they can keep it on the shelf for a full year. I would say you're, you'd be lucky if it's the uh, a year old. Uh, I think the beer uh, is better with a little bit of uh, age on it. Definitely beer is going to improve, I think, over you know even a month or two after it's in the bottle. Um, six months of your year, it's going to start getting really good. Quads, barley wines, you know, these are beers that... Uh, I think, uh, do well with a little bit of, uh, uh, cellar time. Now, do you, uh, just use traditional Belgian yeast, the candy sugar, that whole approach? Well, we use, um, uh, we do, we do use sugar. We use the same Belgian strain that, um, uh, we make our, um, uh, year round beer, Mary Monks. That's our Belgian triple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the same, should have a unifying, uh, quality, quality at least in the uh ester profile uh from a basic standpoint now that gets um 
it's a much more malty beer. So there's other like real deep, rich fruit flavors that uh, I think uh, come into play. We use a, a portion of special B, so you should expect that kind of um, you know character to come into play. That real almost uh, raisiny you know flavor. Mm-hmm. So, which is great with Belgium. When some people think Belgian quad, they think, um, you know, like a Roquefort 12 or something, it's pitch black. You know, it's it's not that, down that that path. You know, it's it's a deep amber colored, still very rich, full-bodied uh, Belgian quad. I love alcohol. It's in my blood. <laughs> Is that a quote from Modern Drunkard? Yeah. Okay, good. Modern Drunkard. We endorse this website. What is it? ModernDrunkard.com? ModernDrunkard.com. All right. Check it out. It's so, either that or you, it's time to check yourself in. That's right. <laughs> Start saying, I love the alcohol. You know what they say? Rehab is for quitters. <laughs> <laughs> Buy me a beer and thank me later. <laughs> I was going to ask Mike, did he get his 10-hour chip? <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> I got ten whole hours without a drink. <laughs> oh man! Well, you know, uh, uh, we've talked about some of these big beers, and some of them get better if you put a little age on it, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So I've got some music here, and the guy is singing it. Well, he might have gotten better by putting a little age on him. And uh, this is pretty cool. This is uh, some that it was a guy we saw at uh, the Italian Fest last year, I think it was, or, or a year before. It was Mickey Thomas. Yeah. And uh, he was there and singing all the Jefferson Starship. And, of course, he did the Elvin Bishop, fooled around, fell in love, and everybody, of course, was loving on that and stuff. And the guy, he looked great. For his age, and he's got to be. I think we looked it up around the edges. a little bit, but uh, you know, nothing. Little little dab Botox can't fix. Yeah. But uh, he was putting on show, and he can still hold those notes, hit yeah. those notes. And we we walked away from that show saying, "Wow, you know, he really did a good job." But he ain't done shit. No. <laughs> okay. Well, all that changed in March, and a new record was released called "The Blues Masters." Featuring Mickey Thomas. And it's like, is that the same Mickey Thomas? And I fired it up, and sure enough, it is. So um, we're going to close out with the song Cherry Red. This is 1939. I think it's Big Joe Morton. And uh, Mickey Thomas, and man, he ain't lost it yet. So uh, sometimes, you know, a little age and put a beer on it and Keep it rolling. It'll be all right. So uh, good beers, man. Loving the Weyerbacher. I'm not even going to ask you which one was your favorite. Well, I was getting ready to ask you which one's your favorite. They were all my all favorite. Good. They were. I mean, they were each one stood on its own, and they were all just delicious beers. I have no favorite here. I uh, want them all again. If I ever see them in the store, yeah, I'll buy them. They're very good. Rick, how was yours? Uh, you had your uh, year old pumpkin, and it held up. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, Hopefully, Weyerbacher will get their distribution up so that we can actually get them in Colorado and Tennessee. That's Call right. Steve tomorrow. That's right. Call your local distributor if you don't have Weyerbacher because, uh, man, these are good. Yeah, you're missing out on some you good beers are, if you don't have them in your area. You definitely that's for are. Sure. All right, let's wind it up. Let's a little uh, Mickey Thomas singing Cherry Red. See you next time. Drive safe. Come back and see us.
Cause if you tell me 